0: Hello everybody. Welcome to Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking episode 60. We're getting through them. We are getting through them. I'm pretty close to knowing what the fuck this podcast is about, I reckon. Not that close, but closer than I was. Oh man, it's been a long journey with you all. Thank you for tuning in yet again. It's a Sunday evening here. I'm, I'm, uh, it's... I don't know what it is. If, if the conditions aren't just perfect for recording this podcast, it just does fill me with anxiety. I hope this goes well. I hope, it go, I hope it goes so well. I hope you guys have a great time in the next half hour. I hope I have a great time in the next half hour. I've just gotten back from Brisbane. I was up in Queensland for the weekend. Sometimes you, you go to a, a city like Queensland and you think, would it be worth sacrificing all my ambition to live here? Would that just make more sense? My My, my fiancé, her cousin... Uh, works at an art supply store and lives in a five-bedroom house with two other people. What am I doing here? What am I? Why am I doing in Bondi Junction renting an apartment? That's what I'm doing. I own. Don't mean to rub it in. I like to make it seem like I'm a I'm a man of the people, but in reality, um, I don't have any grandparents left. And uh, that's the price you pay to get on the property ladder. And it, I'd I'd pay it again. I'd pay it all over again. I'd go to. <laughs> I'd pay it over twice. I'd go to eight more grandparents' funerals just to. End up right back here with a freshly renovated. Uh, what's the what's the term? Art Deco. Sometimes you really just want to hit it on the first go, and you don't have it in you. Can you hear my dog in the background being filled with anxiety? As is his want. Uh, this is this is the problem with the cuter breeds is they are not made for the uh, emotional toll of life. Through the magic of audio, what I've done there is I've already gone away. Uh, disciplined my dog, dog severely and uh, I made my way back to the microphone and then reflected as I thought, my dog is anxious about uh, the sound of strangers outside his home. Um, meanwhile, I am anxious about recording a podcast. Uh, who's the real basket case in this situation? I came back from Brisbane, got back, just got, in a, got into an Uber on the way back. Uh, Uber driver really nailed it. Uber driver did great, great work today. The conversation was, was free-flowing. It was interesting without being overbearing. And fair play to me. I was, in, I was in hot form as well. I was being very inquisitive. I was asking good questions. We both, it was all-round. It, it was a true five-star experience for everybody involved. Um, now, you know, not that five-star really means anything. It, it, it should just be thumbs up, thumbs down, shouldn't it? My Uber rating is 4.7, which is insulting. Because it's not even like, I think if you had a 4.7, but occasionally once a year you throw up in the back of a cab, I think then you'd understand and you think that's pretty fair. I am nothing but cordial and polite, I, which makes me think I've been getting four and three star ratings for nothing than a lack of dazzling personality and conversation starters, as if I want to be just conversing with someone who's ended up in uh, driving Uber. Is that, is that, and this, now I'm getting defensive and I'm, I'm attacking them, but it really is about me. 4.7 is low. 4.7 is quite low. And I alternate in the four point sixes as well and I have to get on my best behavior. My partner, she's in the 4.8s. A lot of people are in the 4.8s, 4. 4.9s 4. even. I, sometimes you see Uber drivers who have five-star ratings and thousands of trips. How does that work? What could they possibly be doing? And why didn't they feel the need to do it to me? That, and that's why I start bringing them down. I'm getting, I'm robbing them of that perfect score. You're getting three stars if you do well, and then and then last on Friday I couldn't get an Uber in the morning nor a Didi, and that's when I got self-conscious about my star rating. I was worried that the reason I couldn't get an Uber is I'd been uh, I'd been rated out of the system, and um, so I got a taxi instead. And if you haven't been in a taxi recently, go ahead and get involved and just reminisce on an era where the person driving you could you just call a cyclist a cunt. And face zero repercussions. Go go back and experience what it's like when when the person who is uh, responsible for your transport has no interest at all in smelling any better than they absolutely have to. That's that's the true taxi driver experience. I couldn't believe the the total lack of of regard for anybody's safety, including his own, as he drove me to the airport on a on a quite quiet. Friday morning, um, something. It was something else. Some more magical editing there. I went and did some work. I'm. Um, it's a Sunday night, and there's. I have a white collar job that just owns me, and I've, I've never been more aware of it than since the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Since I went and played comedian for two weeks, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is me. This is my job." You know. I mean, sure, most jobs don't cost you money. As the Melbourne Comedy Festival cost me. Side note, met my ticketing goal for the Melbourne Comedy Festival. What's do I have any I, I have sound effects? Is something That'll um, <laughs> do. Uh, I, I need to use these more. <laughs> That's great stuff. That's <laughs> gonna really dial this podcast up a little bit. I was at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and uh, and and when I was there, I'm like, look, 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 Mum, I'm a real comedian. Look at this. Don't look at the bottom line. Look at me.'t <laughs> don't, don't look at my credit card statements. Yes, I spent twice as much money on Facebook ads than they earned me, but that's not the point. And, um, and then I came back and uh, I, I, I'm in an office and for the most part, I quite like my job, but there are moments where I'm like, hey, um, sorry, just want to be very clear and, and, and transparent with everyone. Um, I don't want to do this. You know that thing you told me to do? I, I don't I don't want to. So where does that leave us? Do, is this up for debate? And then they're like, "Hey, you know we pay you to be here, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, oh, that's I forgot how I afforded that sandwich. Yep, yeah, okay. No, 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 no. Sorry, fuck me. I'll get back to it. Ignore, ignore me. I need someone. It would actually be. It sounds abusive, but I think it would be really good for me if just every workday, Monday to Friday, someone put in my calendar a little bit of time for someone from finance to come and just slap me with a pay slip." Like' oh, remember the reason you come here every day is because otherwise you'll die and I'll go, that's yes, sorry. I thought I thought I was uh, I, I thought this was about living my passion um, and now I realized it's about paying my mortgage. And you hear people on podcasts nice. I think was so swept up in this purpose. Hey, uh, you know what I'm really into um, life purpose and achievement and mental positivity and uh, good mental health. Uh, and, uh, and 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 love and and passion, but also achievement. And then, like, hey, you're gonna have to pick one of these things. You can't have all of this. And um, and and I was in this podcast recently. He was like, hey, you know, for like thousands of years, there was a guy whose entire job was to uh, row a boat from one side of a moat to the other side and then back again. And he was not between strokes in his uh, increasingly leaky canoe thinking, is this really me? (laughs) Is is this what I'm meant to be doing? And it's like, well, you know, the only reason you got to eat this month was because you lost two children to the Black Death um, and that really freed up a bit of budget. I don't think you're in in a position to be questioning anything. In fact, I would highly recommend you don't. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, anyway that's the little existential crisis I've been having over the last few weeks although I think I've reached quite a healthy solution which the solution I've reached which you won't read in any gratitude journal is um hey shut up <laughs> oh but i I don't like yeah I know you don't like it shut up oh yeah yep sorry you're yeah, right he, he makes a good point. He makes a good point. The best advice is often the simplest. It's Occam's razor after all. Um, what else do I have to... to, to i I got to say, I spent some time in Brisbane with some people, and as a stand-up comedian, you do become used to a certain level of scrutiny placed upon every word you say. Now, don't let the contents of this podcast misguide you about the fact that I am very self-aware that a half an hour of talking is a long time to just be throwing into the world willy-nilly. But uh, for the most part, for the most part, I believe stand-up comedy teaches you that you need to be very choiceful about when you speak and what you say and why you say it. And uh, and, like I said, this entire long-form medium aside, I think that bleeds into the rest of my life. And it makes me think that everybody should be forced to do just a little bit of stand-up comedy once a year, just, just tick it off. You need to go and do like community service just to remind them how bad their stories are. My word. I spent, I, I did a lot of socializing over the weekend, and some of the stories just, you know, a story starts and you read the first sentence of a book, and you're like, this is going nowhere. There is, I know this author and I can tell. Just by the intention. There's no blurb on the back that I can't predict. This is a story about a time you went on a bus and nothing happened. All right? And I don't even know. I, I I toyed with even mentioning this on this podcast because I thought, what if the person happens to come around to this? They won't remember they told a fucking nothing story about a bus because they didn't even think about it. They just said it and immediately wiped it from their memory. It was, oh, God. And it's, look, I would point out, sometimes I think there's this, if you listen to enough Joe Rogan, you will have heard enough comedians go, oh, I can't I can't handle being around normal people anymore. I'm just used to being around the funniest people in the world all the time. And look, for one, if you're saying it and you're on Joe Rogan, and that's because you were Dave Chappelle and you're hanging out with Louis C.K. And he um, uh, uh, joke about masturbating and consent. I don't know. You fill in the blanks. Do I really need to do that for you? Um he, and, and he asks whether you want... You, you get it. You get where that would have been going if, if I could have been bothered finishing the thought. D- d- yes, when you're around professional, professional, talented, generational stand-up comedians, I'm sure it's like that. Whenever anyone in the Sydney comedy scene, or like, especially if you're an open micer, as I still very much somewhat am, yeah, do you like that lack of commitment in, in uh, either being humble or not there? As I very much kind of, sort of am, but not really. Um, if you're an open micer, the people that you hang out with are, are interesting in as much as they are mentally insane. Uh, and you can find good people there as well, but it is not like, oh, I can't handle these. No-. I, I am well aware there are plenty of stand-up comedians who are just as boring as everyone listening to this. <laughs> and, and that's something interesting as well because you see these people, often your first real interaction with them, like the first deep interaction is them on stage being entertaining and magnetic. Mag- I, I went half magnanimous, half magnetic. If I'm going to make a career in podcasting, I'm going to get better at just choosing a word and sticking with it as opposed to pulling a parachute midway through. They're so magnetic and magnanimous. And, uh, and then you speak to them afterwards and they are just so fucking dull. Um, I've been uh, I've been I've been back I've been back on the Joe Rogan train. Speaking of Joe Rogan, I've been back on the train a bit recently. I've I've you can't I just can't stay mad at him. Sometimes he does get, really give me the shits. He really he threw me for a loop of that COVID thing for a while. Isn't it? It's horrible when your heroes just become cultural punching bags because you just never know what whether it's required or not. I went and saw a girl do stand up comedy. In at uh, the Melbourne Comedy Festival, and she had a real fucking big dig at Jordan Peterson, and uh, and the people around me, being almost exclusively theatre students and young girls, were so into it. Boy did they! Boy did they have a big old laugh at, at Jordan Peterson's expense. And the joke was more or less, "Hey, you know how everybody fucking hates Jordan Peterson? Am I right?" And I, I mean, it it was it was just like. When you feel that instant emotional reaction of like, should I, am I angry about this? And is the fact I'm angry about it pathetic? Am Am I one of those people that I hate where someone says something that doesn't directly align with my worldview and I'm like, well, this is just ridiculous. Uh, I was there with Joe Rogan for a while. When Joe Rogan became the punchline, when Joe Rogan fans became punchline, I saw another comedian actually recently who thought, oh, the Sloss, Daniel Sloss made some joke about like a a car accident being less sad when you find out all of the victims are Joe Rogan fans. And I was like, hey, that's me. That's me getting hit with that hypothetical car. Jokes are meant to be at everyone's expense except mine. Haven't you seen my comedy? (laughs) But uh, I've been watching, uh, so... This has become a little bit of a conflation of two of my of my current uh, rabbit holes I'm going down. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm going through a Joe Rogan rabbit hole. I said something the other day. I was like, I think I've heard Joe Rogan speak more times in l- my life or I've heard Joe Rogan speak for longer in my life than I've heard my father. And I think that's true. I would love... There's got to be a way to calculate that. Spotify must have that data. Spotify must have that information. You should be able to tell Spotify, you know, uh, surely with the advances in AI... I can tell Chat, chat GBT, the current relationship my father and I have, and it can estimate uh, just the ratio of dad to Rogan time I've had. <laughs> and um, but the other thing I've been going throughout my YouTube algorithm is just all professional wrestling at the moment. And I've never I I kind of went through phases of, of being into pro wrestling when I was when I was in high school. It's like a teenager. But um, I, never, I was never like one of those wrestling like nerds, played the video games a lot. This is my current, uh, my YouTube algorithm at the moment. It, my number one option is how Burt Kreischer shit his bed, dot, dot, dot. That's a clip from Logan Paul's podcast. It's how little YouTube thinks of me. Um, it's also got how to get what you want, six proven methods by Alex Hormozy, because I found a new life coach on YouTube where all the best life coaches reside. And he's convinced me that I can achieve just about anything. Um, and I'm going to go with it for about 48 hours until I either a burn out or b give up. And really, those are just synonyms, aren't they? Burn out and giving up. Really, it's just out. <laughs> it's just corporate giving up, isn't it? Um. But uh, so I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of wrestling recently, which is wrestling. Professional wrestling is such a bizarre construct when you think about it. It's like it's. It's it's, it's theatre meets steroids. It's, it's, it's football jocks doing improv comedy. It's very strange because if you really think about it. So first of all, they're jacked to the tits. They are all on steroids. They are oiled up and muscled down and in speedos. And boy, does it arouse something in even the most stringent straight man that he will never speak about out loud. There's got to be a reason where they're like, hey, guys, um, everyone has to wear Speedos. I'm, I'm going to have to put a real line in the sand in this. If you guys want to come and suplex each other in a fictional universe, uh, it's gonna I'm going to have to see uh, at least the outline of some cock. Um, you understand. And the wrestlers were like, I don't know if we do understand. And Vince McMahon was like, well, that's just the way it is, so what are we going to do about it? And it really, actually, when you think about it, it's not even... All of them that are in Speedos. It's just the really jacked six-pack wearing ones. They're, they are the ones that we need to see semi-naked, um, spray tanned up and, and covered in baby oil. Um, and then when they aren't in the gym lifting weights, they are in a ring just kind of bare-hugging one another. And when they're not doing that, they are doing Improv. That's what, and it's pretty impressive when you think about it. Like, I hadn't really th- seen it through that lens. Th- they're kind of just doing, they're just doing crowd work a lot of the time. It's a very, sta- like, it, I think if stand up comedians um, had, I, I think there's a tipping point where um, either you, you are, your testosterone is low enough and you are, uh, you know, arguably stupid enough that you, you go from stand-up comedian into professional wrestler. Um, and, uh, I mean, look, this is the thing, this is the, the, the really strange conundrum, the sort of paradox of professional wrestling, is there is something, so, it's so entertaining, yet so lame, it's so masculine, yet so gay, it is... So silly and yet so serious because they're doing this three hundred days a year. They're all on. I think not so much anymore, but they were all on like opiates to deal with the pain. Have you guys seen the movie The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke? It is harrowing. It's so good. I, I only saw it recently, and it is very, very depressing, but it's excellent. I would highly recommend the The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Great flick. Um, I also I watched the Louis Theroux wrestling episode recently. And it is funny because the, the, I, as I think you could make the case with a lot of stand-up comedians, he went and saw like the professional wrestling, the WCW, which was the big competitor to WWF at the time. Now WWE. And they took themselves so seriously. And Louis Threw even showing like a hint of sarcasm that they might not be uh, very, very serious Athletes slash thespians was met with the most outrageous, like just in indignance that he could possibly have disrespect for these oiled up, speedoed, uh, uh actors, and uh, and then he goes to the you know rural wrestling federation where a guy who works as a mechanic from eight till seven. Is then uh, the inflictor and wears a mask and has the uh, the tag team championship from ten till three. It's um, it's it's uh, as all Louis as all episodes of Louis through where it's Louis plus weirdos, not Louis plus mental illness. Now Louis Theroux is all about like eating disorders and stuff. It's like oh, just can you just go back to hanging out with people that think aliens exist? That was so much. It was so much simpler back then. Um, but so uh, Rick Flair was on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, last week, and if you don't know who Rick Flair is, uh, this is Rick Flair. Woo! We are on tour, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Now, Buddy Landell, it's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio, looking at a guy out here hollering my name, when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made you're talking to the rolex wearing diamond ring wearing kiss stealing wheeling dealing limousine riding jet flying son of a gun and i'm having a hard time holding these alligators down That is Ric Flair. Ric Flair, uh, one of the great wrestlers, I think of the 80s and 90s. I think he was in WWE in the 90s. It is. Think about that. That is off the dome. That is off the top of his head. There's no script. There's no teleprompter. That is amazing that he can do that and also bench press 150 kilos and also just, I imagine, snort his weight in cocaine. It he, this guy you've got to watch if if you're into any of this stuff if you hey, fucking sometimes you have moments of self where it's like hey if you're into Joe Rogan and professional wrestling <laughs> and you're like is this my audience is this my mom's not like that and she's the only person I know for sure is listening if it's it's a fascinating I keep saying this sometimes I catch myself defending myself uh from accusations I haven't even faced yet. That's, oh man, don't take that out of context. That's (laughs) the phrase accusations I haven't faced yet. Man, that, that, uh, oh, that reeks of a man who's bought hypno on the internet, doesn't it? Oh God, no, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, you know, when you're like, if anyone was to make fun of me for this, here is what I would say. Which is, I mean, again, I don't know how relatable that is. That might just be very, uh, Reflective of of the way that I interact with this world, where I am constantly trying to justify everything I do from a from a phantom critic, phantom critic, good name for an album, but I, 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 there is something very fascinating about wrestling. But I've also thought that a lot, so that when whoever this person is who's going to come and attack me for just spending hours and hours every single day. Watching Stone Cold and The Rock highlights, I can say no. It's it's actually quite intellectual. I'm I'm like Louis Theroux when you think about it. I'm just I'm a student of humanity, at uh, at the foresight. Also, check out how sick this stunner is. <laughs> uh, I'm really alienating the uh, family member members of my family member members of my audience. Um, but uh, hey, that's the price you pay. Uh, Ric Flair on Joe Rogan, so fascinating. It's just a ima- you know what's great is seeing a man's man from a bygone era just sort of hint towards the fact that he misses the days where you could really get away with bar violence and sexual assault. That's what I took away from... He's talking very, very fondly, like misty-eyed fondly about this friend of his who used to bite off people's noses in bar fights, who on several occasions ripped an eyeball out of the head of a man, of someone he was clearly trying to start a fight with. And Ric Flair is like, oh, man, he was one of the greats. <laughs> I miss him every single day. <laughs> Seriously, it's, he, he goes on about how like the wrestlers would pull up to these small towns uh, uh, that they are performing in, and uh, they would show up and they would after the show, and they would go to the bars and just get absolutely hammered. And obviously they are rocking up, and this is in an era where people don't necessarily think that wrestling is real. Uh, but they're not totally convinced it's not. And the tough guys in these towns who isn't... uh, Isn't this a bizarre... This is an identity that is very real for some people. Their entire identity is they are the tough guy in their town. That is a real thing that existed. And in comes Ric Flair wearing crocodile skin boots and uh, with peroxide blonde hair covered in in golden jewellery. And he's like, this guy... Who's just spent the entire afternoon just swanning around a wrestling ring in his undies is going to come here and think he's a tough guy. And Ric Flair's like, "Oh no, I, I know I pretend to fight on TV, but I also will snap a pull cue around the back of your head because I am not well." <laughs> um, it is uh, it it's it is it is so good. I mean, and look, I think. When I think about that I am so grateful that when it comes to violence I am such a pussy. I have the few times I have been around fights I am all flight no fight. The first, if someone throws a punch in the corner of my eye in a different venue and I'm like we got to get out of here. I know I know there's a glass barrier between me and them but this is this is dangerous territory. The one... Sometimes when I get drunk, I get a little bit like... I get a little bit... I up like, maybe tonight's the night I win my first fight. I think I've told this story on the podcast before. I got slapped in the face by a Croatian waiter in the most fl- flimsy feminine slap possible. It, he didn't even move anything below his wrist he just pure windscreen wiped my face with a limp wrist holding a tray of martinis in his left hand uh and i didn't do shit i i, I let it happen i watched him walk away and i was like well there was your opening tom if there was ever a time to throw a punch and take regain control of your masculinity that was it but no he owns your masculinity now it belongs to him my testicles have been in croatia ever since that's the life that i lead uh, so yeah, you better believe when Ric Flair and his and his gang of ostentatiously dressed wrestlers arrived at my small town bar in you know Foxville, USA, I'm buying them all the drink and then introducing them to all of my female friends and leaving them to it because I look there's there's no point fighting for honor for me that's long gone that is way too far gone my favorite moment of the Ric Flair Joe Rogan interview, which was very niche, but I don't know why. It just really tickled me when it happened was uh was was this part. So so Ric Flair has for some reason a cannabis brand because why not? <laughs> I it's so cannabis is now legal uh medicinally in Australia, which I don't know about you guys, came out of f- Fucking nowhere. I, I feel like I was just going about my life day in, day out, and all of a sudden, my local price line had a sandwich board that says, We now sell weed. And I was like, I thought you guys sold enemas and uh, reasonably priced beauty products, and now you're selling, you know, the, the 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 herb where most of my money went from the ages of 18 to 24. Uh, who, the idea that. If I had been born, if I had been born twelve years later, that rather than meeting uh, <laughs> like pimply, backwards hat wearing kids from a few years below me at school at seven p.m. at uh, outside the Chukkers, uh, I would be going down to Priceline at five fifty five before they closed to get my. It's just it's mind boggling, isn't it? Uh, now, not only can you get marijuana from Priceline, you can get it from the Nature Boy Ric Flair apparently and rick flair and joe rogan are swapping notes on the merchandise that they sell because they both have marijuana strains dedicated to them and this this little comment so rick flair by the way seems really nice if a little bit i mean am i really i'm it's no good being this self-aware because i catch myself mid-sentence like uh rick flair is actually a little bit problematic um, I don't know if you if you guys have heard his take on some things. It's like, yeah, Tom, Ric Flair is a seventy four year old former professional wrestler. What did you think he felt about the world? <laughs> he's been he's been married and divorced four times, and seems to be very proud of it. What did you think? Did you think he was going to be the ally? You think he was a the, the nature boy male feminist Ric Flair? No. Anyway. Uh, Ric Flair seems very nice on this podcast But also fucking clueless I mean the amount of concussions this guy must have had In a world that didn't believe in concussions Is uh, is I imagine Up there with the real greats And, um, and uh, so he and Joe Rogan Are having this conversation about the merchandise And it's become clear that Ric Flair has no idea what is happening. All he knows is someone has put his face on something and given him a shit ton of money for it, and he seems pretty happy about it. And then this happens. He's a rapper, and he's, like, training like a Muay Thai fighter. This is good, man. What flavor is this? <laughs> Fucking no clue. No idea whatsoever. The camera turns to Ric Flair, and he just smiles and nods. and It's like, please, just... J- j- Please, Joe Rogan, please start talking about aliens again because you're going to get me in so much trouble. Do you know what flavor this is? I, I don't know which this is It just which says mushroom plant. It tastes <laughs> fucking delicious. Take a swig of that. You're going to have to take my word for this. I know this doesn't cover I'm pretty sure he knows where he is. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Strawberry banana. Ah, that's what it is. Here. And that's the uh, other guest on the podcast uh, having uh, the ability to read a can, an ability that Joe Rogan, for all his success, has not been able to master. Um... I can't wait. I don't know if you guys are across the stuff that happens uh, when people become semi-famous and they start just looking to sell whatever the fuck they can, barbecue sauces and belts and... Uh, I, don't, I, I, need, I can't wait until I can start just totally taking advantage of my audience that way. I can't wait until the day that I can release a Spice Rub Mix... And say like, hey, I know I had uh, two hundred episodes of a podcast. Like how I said, it's still another one hundred and forty episodes away. I think I'm at least three and a half years of weekly podcasts away from being able to release anything in the world of uh, food and beverage. I, I'm gonna re- when I can release a spice rub and be like, hey, you guys know I release like two hundred hours of podcasting. And I never mentioned this before, but I love smoking meats, <laughs> and this is a my, this is my my mama's famous spice rub. That's right, and uh, that's a picture of her on the front. Yes, my mother is uh, a a nineteen thirties black woman, and uh, and that's her, yep, that's her do rag. That's her. That was that was my mother always wearing a do rag and smoking meats. <laughs> and that's why I have released Tom's famous uh, 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 co- comedy 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 beef rub, and uh, it's fifty dollars a bottle, and uh, it goes great with this strain of uh sativa whitcomb what is happening but this is the the rails of flaws. i you know guys i'm gonna be honest i tried to really think about what i was going to say in the podcast today and i i have a, i have a circle around the thing that says what would my side business be and then i never answered it and i thought i'll just improv it on on mic because you know what your great skill tom is 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 improv comedy that's what you should do Yes, everything else you do in comedy is written down to the fucking word, but today's the day that you come up with a great idea on the fucking fly, isn't it? Oh, anyway, go check out the Joe Rogan Ric Flair podcast. As long as you can, there is a, look, it does sound like a lot of CTE for a lot of it. I mean, Ric Flair must be one of the most successful men ever to have that bad a speech impediment because there's just, it just sounds like there's sort of his mouth's full the entire time, but it is it's pretty it's pretty good. I was a fan, um, but I think that's where we're going to have to leave it for this, this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hey, make sure you're spreading the word, telling your friends. Make sure you're hitting subscribe on your iTunes and your, and your Spotify. You know what I should do is bring this up uh, not as the last thing that I say, but if you've made it through this way and you're not subscribed, what are you doing? That's that's bizarre. I must have really won you over today. But, uh, hey, it's been a pleasure, as always. Um, I had a really good time doing the the guest episode. want to do a few more of those. I hope you enjoyed that. With uh, Sam and Alex, uh, but yeah, that's uh, it's been another great episode as always. Sydney Comedy Festival starts in a couple of weeks. It's all on at the moment. Make sure you get out and see some stuff. But get tickets to my show. You can get it in the show notes. But uh, hey, otherwise, have a fantastic week, and I'll chat to you next week.